1: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, November 13th, 2020. Happy Friday to everyone out there. Happy Friday the 13th. Man, how often does that happen? Not too often, right? Uh, probably once a year, maybe. Who knows? But anyway, uh, happy Friday to everybody out there. Hope everyone's having a great week. There's only one more day left of it, and it's today. But if you're listening to this program over the weekend or next week or months from now, hey, a big hello to you as well, and uh, thank you for tuning tuning in to the Get Home Safe podcast. I know we probably have a few new listeners out there, so thank you for taking the time to give us a chance and listen to uh, a rather fun interview we have today. I'll tell you about our guest right off the bat. Uh, We're going to be joined by Brandon Vandermeid. He's a fellow college baseball umpire. Uh, We've had the opportunity to work a few series together, working some college baseball, and it's always interesting that when you do work college baseball with some guys, you you pretty much go into a city for a couple of days. It's guys from all over. Uh, for for example, uh, you know I'm from Southern California. Brandon's from Utah. Uh, I think one time we worked up in Sacramento together, so everyone flies into the city. Hey, how you doing? You work a game. You trust each other. You try to get the job done, and uh, you know what? Uh, after a couple of days, you go home. So that's kind of how college baseball works for those of you who may or may not know about it, but uh, whether or not you're a baseball fan uh, or not, I, I don't think it necessarily matters today because with Brandon, we're going to have a, a rather fun conversation, or I should say he and I already had the conversation but uh, a few days ago, but you guys are going to hear it today. Uh, just a conversation really about values, really about belief systems. And I think one of the things that Brandon really struck me when talking to him was, you know, it's not about, who believes what, he's very curious about uh, why people believe what they believe. And, and I thought that was so well put, such a great way to, to know about, uh, to kind of get to know other people. Like I may or may not a, a believe or agree with certain opinions or beliefs of my friends, but hey, tell me about, tell me about why you feel that way, why you believe that way. You know what? I, I think that's great because if you really break it down, I mean, America in, in general, is it's so many such a vast different group of people, right? There's so many types of people and backgrounds and everything. So I think if more people had that opinion, had that approach, I think the country would be a lot better uh, situation. So uh, anyway, it's a fun conversation with Brandon. We talk about baseball. We talk about uh, growing up in Utah, living in Utah, um, kind of the uh, connotations uh, that, uh, you know, Utah gets uh, of of kind of the the uh, stereotypes of, of what Utah's like and everything and how uh, maybe that's not true. Uh, anyway, just a fun time chatting with him. I'm looking forward to you guys hearing that. We also have our suds with Studs segment today where we talk about a hero or a group of heroes. A lot of times it's military personnel. just an opportunity for us to share a few thoughts about some people that, have uh, really uh, shown some tremendous courage, either in the face of danger or have just uh, done some amazing things with their career, whether it be law enforcement or the military or whatever. Uh, We like doing that on Fridays and we call it Suds with Studs because these are people we would love to sit down uh, and have a beer with. And and we would definitely be buying not just the first round, but all the rounds. So uh, that's just the analogy. That's just a little uh, catchphrase we came up with. It's uh, not meant to uh, be, uh, you know, uh, offensive to anybody or, or to uh, take away from anybody's uh, service or anything. It's just uh, a way that I uh, I look forward to Fridays and having a, a quick little, just brief summary about some people. And I think it's a really good thing, especially this week with Veterans Day and everything. I hope everyone had a great Veterans Day on Wednesday. We chatted a little bit in our intro on Wednesday about Veterans Day and kind of what uh, it means to me and, and saying thank you to really a lot of the uh, friends I have out there that have been Uh, In the military. So if you haven't had a chance to hear that episode, uh, go back and check that out. Uh, It is, uh, of course, with a weekly Wednesday weigh in with Bill Barnes, the retired police officer. He's our weekly guest. He's here every Wednesday. And for those of you who don't know, Bill's a little rough around the edges. He has some rather uh, strong language at times, but we love him. Uh, he, He definitely brings the spice to this show. And he's here every single Wednesday. So uh, if you haven't had a chance, be sure to tune into that. And if you're not able to, well, he'll be back again next week on, uh, on Wednesday. So uh, that's kind of how we do things here. Mondays are the sports recap show. And we're going to have a lot to talk about on Monday after a, a really interesting weekend of sports. A lot of football, of course, but the Masters is on this weekend. It started on Thursday, and it's pretty odd to see them playing golf at a, in Augusta, Georgia uh, in the month of November. Generally, the the Masters is in April, and it's kind of like the official kickoff to spring, if you will, but with the lockdown and the moving around of so many different sporting events, the Masters in November, man, interesting time for sure. So I don't know how many golf fans are out there. I don't sit and watch golf for hours or anything. I'll probably tune in Sunday a little bit towards the end as they're heading down the final stretch. But as you've heard on here before, I'm a terrible golfer. I've practiced. I've gotten better. Uh, I have taken more of an interest in it as I've uh, grown up a little bit in my adulthood here. Uh, Definitely checking out the scores and who's doing well uh, because I know how hard the sport is. And it's, uh, it's quite humbling, if you will. But anyway, one of the biggest events of the, the golf season, the golf year in the masters and who will wear, uh, the green jacket, uh, on Sunday is to be determined. And we will definitely discuss all of that on Monday, um, with our sports recap show that we'll generally do on Mondays. So, uh, Friday the 13th, man, crazy times. Uh, indeed, of course we have a Friday the 13th here in uh, 2020 especially this time of year with the in fall and with the leaves changing and everything else. Hope everyone is staying safe and sane out there. I know it's getting a lot colder in other parts of the country, definitely in Brandon's uh, neck of the woods there in, in Utah. So everyone stay safe and, and sane and, and stay warm. Will you? Um, I, I do want to mention something I saw the other day. So for those that don't know, I I've been working at FedEx for a few months and I also uh, drive Uber and Lyft and, it's something I, I've done for years, Uber and Lyft, like full-time. And now it's more part-time and everything. But I will say that the other day I, I took a, a family, This I was on my way to work. I do like destination mode, right? Just, just rides that take me on the way to work. And I'm driving and I drop these people off at this park up the street. And it's the middle of the day. It's the middle of the week. And I go to this park and there's a ton of kids at a skate park. I'm talking like at least fifty in this little skate park area. And my thought was like, wait a minute, kids are out of school and they're doing this, and maybe this is their recess or whatever. But I'm like, they're here at a park amongst a bunch of other kids, like California. Let's let's open up, huh? Let's. Get, what's the difference between this and recess at school? Now I know you're saying, oh, okay, well, Matt, you know. Uh, they're they're in a classroom, they're around teachers, they're around other people. It's like, okay, fine, I get you. But I just, I generally, I keep seeing these different examples, especially here in California, and and we're shut down with everything. I mean, you can't eat in a restaurant, you got to eat outside. I'm sure people are going to get sick, uh, not sick of it, but sick from it by eating outside out here as, as the weather gets a little colder. And you just see these like inconsistencies, and I've mentioned it a lot on the podcast throughout the last few months. But I got to say, California, it just seems we drag our feet with everything. We drag our feet. We're kind of just, we're just so inconsistent with some of our policies. Meanwhile, other states, you can eat in a restaurant, you can um, go about and, and run your business, which is stuff we're not seeing out here in California. I don't know how some people are surviving. And unfortunately, a lot of people aren't, they're losing their, their businesses still. And I'm very fortunate that I'm in a job or found a job really that is enabling me to, to go to work and, and to not really have to uh, be out of work anymore. So I'm very thankful. I'm very blessed with that. And I couldn't be more, more grateful because I see so many people continuing to struggle. I really thought by, you know, (laughs) these holiday months that things would be better. We'd start to open up. It seems like the rest of the country is planning on doing that, but for some reason, California, we continue to drag our feet. It's a very expensive place to live. It's very populated. So you're, you're talking about a lot of people that are not able to work or not able to run their business and are just continuing to struggle. So I I, I still think that's why you're seeing a lot more people continuing to leave and leave to Utah and you leave to Arizona, Texas, just places where you can go and live your life and, and not be Uh, locked down so much so uh, I won't get too much into that just because I know uh, everyone's dealing with it so if I continue to complain I mean who who wants to listen to that especially on a Friday a fun Friday so let's let's not get too much uh, more into that let's get to our interviews today we got our our suds with studs segment uh, which isn't an interview it's just a a brief discussion really with uh, with myself me and you Uh, but then uh, we'll get right from that to the interview with Brandon Vandermeid so I hope you guys will enjoy this it's a great day. It's a beautiful day. Let's try to be positive, uh, not just today, but uh, throughout the weekend and into next week. Come on, guys. Uh, join me. Join me in this positivity. I know we can do it. I'm not trying to be the the rah-rah guy, but uh, sometimes you just gotta you gotta smile. You gotta keep going forward, and you gotta just uh, count your blessings that are around you, even though there's a lot of uh, bad things going on as well. So enough of me. Enough rambling. Let's get to the suds with stud segment immediately. Followed by our interview with our great guest today, Brandon Vandermeid. Well, guys, on Fridays, one thing we really like to do is to talk about some heroes, to talk about some people who have displayed tremendous courage. Uh, people who have uh, stood in the face of danger and uh, done just some incredible things, mostly our military, sometimes law enforcement, some firefighters, uh, just various people that we like to talk about that can really inspire us. And it has been a lot of military personnel over these past few months that we've discussed on Fridays, a lot of Medal of Honor winners, a lot of big moments uh, in history. Uh, And it could have been one specific instance or maybe uh, a, whole, a whole career of time, really, where uh, someone has just uh, shined above the rest and really have uh, given us an opportunity to talk about some someone and, and their and tremendous acts of courage and uh, and uh, uh, all those great things. So we're going to continue to do that today. Again, all of the times I do this on uh, on Fridays, every time I should say. It's it's always very brief. There's not a whole lot that goes into the details of this. And my encouragement is for you guys to go forward. You guys to look, do a little research. Just a quick uh, search on the uh, Google machine or whatever the case is. Uh, just do a quick little search and a read up on these people that that we discuss. Sometimes again, it is an individual. Sometimes it's a group of people. Uh, sometimes there's not always a ton of information. But I encourage you guys to look up a video. Look up. Uh, just some information a news article about what we talk about on fridays in our suds with studs segment and we call it suds with studs because these are people that we would absolutely love to sit down and have a beer with and you could be assured that we would not just be buying the first round but all of the rounds so today i want to talk about seal team six specifically and a, a rescue operation that they conducted um in October, very recent. And, you know, you hear the word SEAL Team 6. I mean, that's that's one of our most elite uh, combat units, uh, elite top secret. If it needs to get done, it gets done, right, uh, when when all else fails kind of a thing. So when a top secret or a very important mission needs to be accomplished, uh, SEAL Team 6 is generally who you send in. There's I've read a lot on the Navy SEALs and their various teams and their training and everything, but seal team six is the most elite of their teams. And I think a lot of people know that, but, uh, you know, if you don't know that definitely read up on it, what makes seal team six different from uh, other teams and such. Um, you know, as you know, seal team six was among the operation that went in and killed Osama bin Laden. And so it's, it's big operations like that, that they are pretty much used for. So, uh, very, this is very recent. This was October 31st on Halloween. Um, and I'm reading to you from military times. I don't have specific names for the individuals. And quite frankly, with SEAL Team 6, um, most people don't know who they are or want to know who they are. Maybe after they retire, they discuss uh, who who they in fact are or their names are released and such. But in general, I think based off of how kind of secretive their missions are and uh, and everything that that the names are pretty much left off. So I don't have any specific names for you today. I'm just talking generally about SEAL Team 6. And we will discuss the situation that occurred uh, not too long ago in, uh, in Nigeria. This was, uh, man, a couple weeks ago. Again, Halloween, the morning of Halloween out here anyway. So uh, anyway, I will read to you from Military Times. Uh, a nice article here written up about the situation. Here we go. American troops on Saturday morning rescued an American citizen taking ho- taken hostage last week in Niger, according to a statement from the Pentagon. Quote, U.S. forces conducted a hostage rescue operation during the early hours of 31 October in northern Nigeria to recover an American citizen held hostage by a group of armed men, said Pentagon spokesman Jonathan Hoffman in a media release. Continuing the quote here, this is American citizen, this American citizen is safe and is now in the care of the U.S. Department of State. No U.S. military personnel were injured during the operation, end of quote. Continuing with the article here, uh, Niger and Nigeria share a long border. More than three-fourths of Niger, which is north of Nigeria, is covered by the Sahara Desert and the Sahel a region of dry grassland and the savannas that extend across Africa just south of the desert. It has become a hotbed of Islamic militants. Niger and northern Nigeria are both predominantly Muslim. The hostage, Philip Nathan Walton, was taken from his farm in Masalata in southern Nigeria early Tuesday morning by armed kidnappers who demanded a ransom from the man's father. The mission was undertaken by elite commandos as part of a major effort to free Walton, who was 27, before his captors could get far after taking him captive in Niger on October 26, counterterrorism officials told ABC News. So, you know, there's not always a ton of details that are released with these missions um, for specific reasons. You know, you don't ever want to give any information to... Uh, future uh, cases or future enemies right as to how you do things but all the reports i've read and looked up and uh, saw on the news reports and everything and research were that the seals went in um, like usual they didn't lose anybody they got the job done Uh, they killed or wounded the combatants and they got out of there and I think it's amazing what SEAL Team 6 does, how, how they're able to, to get into places so quietly, so quickly, and to always accomplish their mission and come out successful. It's – they're one of the uh, – if, if, if you look at anything you do in life, whatever your job is, what, I mean the, the ability of success that the SEALs, specifically SEAL Team 6 – uh, they're able to accomplish things it's just truly remarkable and some of the books i've read about them the biggest thing they discuss is the training not just you know the things you see on tv with getting in the water and the swimming and do it it's when they have a mission assigned to them they rehearse and they practice and they do it over and over and over and over again until it is absolutely perfected. And sometimes if one little thing goes wrong, one guy didn't tap a guy's shoulder to go into a room, to clear a room, it's like nope, mission failed. Uh every single detail is gone over and rehearsed. Uh and also the contingency plans. Okay, if this doesn't work, what are we going to do? Okay, now if this doesn't work, there's multiple plans and SEAL teams, specifically SEAL Team Six, they they always accomplish their goal and they get in there and it's it's just truly remarkable. So I encourage you guys to read up on the Navy Seals, but also read up on on SEAL Team Six. There's not a ton of information yet about this rescue mission in Nigeria, but I think it's pretty awesome that they went in there and saved an American. Uh, whoever they save is is always amazing and and. Uh, whoever they have to go after sometimes. Uh, But uh, thank God they were able to get uh, the American citizen out of there and to uh, not lose any any of their – their team as well. So to seal team six, I salute you specifically on this veterans day week. I think it's uh, great that we have veterans day where we can honor veterans. I hope we can do it every single day. I-, I talked about that on veterans day on Wednesday, if you haven't had a chance to listen, but anyway, to seal team six, I salute you. I would love to sit down and have a, a beer with every single one of you. And I would absolutely be buying not just the first round, but every single round. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, the way in in which you execute all of these missions. Uh, This is again, guys, just one more example of the types of people we want to continue to talk about on our Friday segments, Suds with studs. Okay. Joining us today is brandon vandermeed vandermide did i say that correctly i, I had a 50 50 shot yep, yep. one more time brandon
0: vandermide
1: Van, vandermide man i'm 0 for 1 right out the gate <laughs> vandermide <laughs> Uh, Anyway, Brandon is joining us today from St. George, Utah. I have had the privilege to work a few baseball games, college baseball games, with Brandon, who is a fellow umpire. Uh, We've had a couple series together here and there, so he was gracious enough to take time out of his day to sit down with me. So, Brandon Vandermeide, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you so much. Happy to be a part of it.
1: <laughs> well, Brandon, it's, it's been a long time. I think uh, the last time we saw each other, I think we were at Sacramento State, or was it BYU?
0: Uh, I,
1: I, think I think we were back-to-back weekends.
0: It was, yeah, it was. So I think we ended at BYU, because I think that finished the season. Or maybe, no, it was one more, it was one more series after that that I think finished the season
1: yeah come to think of it. I think we were on the series, uh well, all of us were so you were there the day that Bill Barnes took the shot to the neck, and I had to get called in and work home plate and finish off that five hour marathon game we did <laughs> where bill I, I still think Bill faked the injury, Brandon. what do
0: you think <laughs> <laughs> all expense trip paid, uh, all expense trip paid to Utah, I guess you know. But... <laughs>
1: He seemed fine after the game when we're trying to get to the airport, but yeah, that was the time we worked. I forgot you were on that game, but then we worked at Sacramento State maybe the week before, Uh, so just a a fun time working baseball with you, my friend, and for those listening, that's really the only interaction you and I have had, maybe a little bit here and there through Facebook, but pretty much just working, what is that, six baseball games together. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. pretty. That's pretty much it. So, uh, Brandon, uh, we're going to cover a lot of things here. Um, you're a college baseball umpire, as I mentioned. You uh, work in commercial real estate out in St. George, Utah, and on top of all of that, you're a volunteer firefighter. So we got a lot to cover. Plus, there's some topics, you know, regarding 2020, maybe the election, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's just ask you this off the bat, Brandon: uh, What do you make of this? Year 2020 that we've been going through, how' has it treated you these past few months?
0: You know the interesting thing about 2020 is as with anything in life, um, everybody's situation is different and you really don't know what somebody's going through. You really don't know the challenges that they have. Um, some people's challenges have been expedited by this, you know um, and, and you know taking away the college season. Uh, from the umpires, from the players, you know, that's been tough on a li- lot of people in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of people financially, a lot of people, um, b- because they like hanging out with the guys that like being on the field. Um, you know, for me, there was the initial uh, couple of months where, as with anybody, we were just trying to figure out what what is this going to mean? What is this going to do to me? So the unknown was super scary. And, and although it's got its challenges and I, you know, it's, it's real, uh, for me, I've been able to kind of move past a lot of those things and I'm not, uh, as nervous about things. I, I respect it, but I'm just not as nervous about everything. And, uh, frankly, uh, my business has, has done pretty well this year. Uh, and a lot of it, to be honest with you, is people that are moving from California into St. George. mm mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're wanting to escape uh, a, a few different things, I guess you could say. And, and um, uh, you know, St. George has, for the most part, remained open. So people have come here. You know, I've had the opportunity to meet probably, you know, hundreds of people over the last year, not just moving here, but like in different capacities that are visiting. Uh, and they were on a cruise. They had a cruise planned or they had this trip planned to Europe and it all got canceled. So they Googled, hey, what's open in America right now? <laughs> St. George was on the map. We're close to a couple of national parks. So we were kind of the de facto place to go if your vacation got canceled and you still wanted to travel. So we had a lot of people end up here.
1: Well, I've uh, had the privilege to actually be in St. George for a short time. I went there to umpire, of all things, uh, at Dixie State University, which was uh-huh. division, division Two at the time. Um, and so for those of you who have not been to St. George, it's a, roughly an hour and a half from Vegas, you just continue on past Vegas for us Southern Californians, and then you yep. go through this like gorge, this tiny—it's this road. It feels so small, and all of a sudden you come out the other side, and whoa! Here's uh, St. George, Utah. This uh, tiny—well, it's not tiny, but you know, it's a smaller city. I mean, have you been there most of your life?
0: Uh, yeah, just about half of it, actually. You know, I—I I grew up in the Salt Lake area and uh, came down here uh, actually to go to school. I didn't want to leave. I love it here.
1: Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, what what is the draw for you? Is it the sense that? Well, first of all, it's not California, so that's that's a that's a plus right there. Uh, but what is it? Because would you agree? It is kind of a small town feel to it. I mean, it's not Salt Lake City. It's not Las Vegas. Is that kind of why you like it so much?
0: Yeah, I don't mind visiting some of the larger cities. Uh, we're close enough to Vegas that if You know the wife wants to go on a shopping trip it's an hour and a half drive you know it's 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 pretty close Mm -hmm. um and for us you know except for some of the major weekends where everybody comes down to visit uh and holiday winter you know st george is kind of the staycation place of utah and so when it gets cold inside you know there's kind of a saying if it's cold in st george that's where you want to be because you know people fleece you know salt lake and come down here this time of year um But, you know, for me, it is, it's a smaller city, but, you know, we've been ranked one of the safest places to raise a family, one of the best places to do business, one of the fastest growing micropolitan cities. Uh, So although it it is kind of in its little pocket, um, people are starting to find out about it and move here.
1: Well, there's something to be said for like peace and quiet. And Brandon, I've been a Southern Californian my whole life. I've traveled a lot of different places. But but honestly, man, I'm at a I'm at a point where I'm tired of the large amounts of people. I'm tired of so many of the policies here in California as well. Uh, I, I I don't think I'll ever do Utah, but you know Arizona, Nevada, those are places that I I think I want to end up. And that's the funny thing about kind of going to St. George, is you leave. You so see, you go Nevada. Don't you go through Arizona for like a little second too? Yep. So it's like that triangulation of states right there, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Well, uh, good stuff. Um, You know, I will say this about Utah. I've been to Salt Lake. I've been to St. George. Moab uh, is is beautiful. Uh, It really is. It's, it's a good group of people. I think I, I haven't had any bad experiences there. Um, I, I think one thing Utah gets like this negative label as uh, which I don't fully understand. I mean, it, it, make no mistake about it. It's a very uh, uh, populated s- state as far as like the Mormon church goes. And I know you're, you're a proud member of the Mormon church. And um, I mean, w- what are your thoughts on maybe kind of that negative opinion that people have that, oh, Utah's all Mormon and they don't care about uh, people that aren't Mormon? Because that hasn't been the case for me.
0: Yeah, I think that there's negative things you can say about any group of people. Um, but, I, you know, to your point, as far as any individuals, and, and you said you, you don't know that you've met one that you had a bad experience with. I mean, some people do and they will, mm-hmm. uh, as with any group of people. Um, you know, I think years ago when people would move to Utah, um, sometimes not by choice, right, they had a job or, or something like that, they kind of felt excluded. Um, Because let's face it, like 20 years ago, there was some people that weren't Mormon, but um, that number's increased greatly. And so what it's taught, I think the Mormon culture here is that you can't just assume because somebody lives in Utah that they're Mormon. Like, we can't do it. And nobody else should, right? We can't assume that, and so we can't use jargon that the Mormon Church uses um, and ask you know people questions. For example, like what ward are you in? That means nothing to anybody that's not a Mormon. But basically, it's hey, what geographical area, what neighborhood do you live in? And if you use the term ward, you're assuming that somebody's Mormon, and you just can't do that. So I think I think there's been a, a huge push for a lot of people, you know, to look within themselves and say, hey. If I accidentally do something to make somebody not feel welcome, I don't want to do that again. So I learn from it. And, uh, you know, I think that for the most part, people move here and have a really good experience um, and enjoy it. But like I said, I think anywhere you go, you're going to have, you know, a couple of people that you're just not happy about. I'll tell you this, um, people on my umpiring cruiser are, are super happy to find out that I'm Mormon because they know they got a designated driver when they find out <laughs> I don't drink. <laughs>
1: oh yes sir no, yes sir no, no
0: complaints there right
1: <laughs> work with you anytime my friend yeah we've got some <laughs> good times and yeah i just i i hate just these depictions of any group like you said i mean we all joke we we tease we make uh you know fun stereotypes here and there but it should end there it shouldn't be anything taken seriously i mean uh that was a fun thing hanging out with you. Like some people walk a thin line. It's like, dude, he's, he's just like one of us. He's, you know, we're all the same. We're all the human race as they say, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, some people will, you know, expect trust because they're a part of a certain group or what I, I, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you believe. Here's what I've learned is I care a lot less about what you believe quote unquote, believe, I care more about why you believe it. Right? Mm. So I don't care if that's religion. I don't care if that's your thoughts on baseball. I don't care if that's your thoughts on politics. I don't care what you believe. But help me understand why you believe what you believe. And I can do the same. And if we had that attitude, I think we'd be a lot more understanding of everybody. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: man, I've never heard it put that way. That's that's really well said. Uh, Yeah, because there is this feeling in today's world that, you know, we don't try to understand each other. It's just, Oh, you believe in this. You're a bad guy. You voted for this person. You're a bad guy. It's like, wait a minute. We all have uh, different families. We all come from different regions of the country. We all have religious beliefs. Some of us, none at all. Some of us, it's like, I like what you just said there. Yeah. Hey, Hey, let's talk. Why do you believe that way? And that doesn't mean that in having that conversation, you're pushing an agenda on anybody else. It's just, Hey, oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, man. I respect that. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's funny. We're supposed to selectively respect some people's opinions and beliefs, but not others. And I don't like that.
0: No, I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent, man. It's, it's it, what I, you know, when I, when I talk to people, whether they ask questions, I ask questions, you know, I try to do it in such a way where they understand that, like, I just, I want to know the inside of who you are. I mean, that's, I'm not gonna label you when you say you belong to this or that, or you voted for this person. I'm not gonna label you, but I but I wanna have dialogue about why. And, oh, and and if we can get to that, the other thing you find is that sometimes people can't answer why, you know? <laughs> oh, like, you know, I, I, I belong to this organization. Well, why do you? Well, because my dad did, or because, you know, that's what my... If you don't have a legitimate answer, it forces you to look inside yourself and say, do I really believe that? Do I really have that mindset? Do I really, you know what I mean? And so it, it, it makes people think, and it makes me think when people ask me questions about whatever it is I do, um, it makes me think, okay, do I, do I really believe this? How, how, how firmly do I hold this stance on things and can my mind be changed? And sometimes it can, and that's a good thing.
1: And well said, well, I think in this year specifically, so many, people's beliefs and opinions have changed. Uh, There are people out there who are afraid to share opinions or who they vote for or whatever, because there's this mob mentality now. And you know, where you see a lot of it is social media. Uh, Social media can be a good thing, but it's starting for me to be more and more of a bad thing because uh, there's a lot of censoring. There's a lot of uh, arguments and fights. I mean, Uh, As an example, Brandon, I've, I have, you know, extended family and stuff and not one time, not one time in all these years of hanging out, have I brought up politics, not one time. However, it's not always the case the other way it comes up and it's always like, I think they know where I stand on things. And back to that mutual respect thing. Like, I just don't feel that it's always there with both sides of the coin and that's a real problem. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on just this social media mob now people ganging up on people, no matter, you know, what you post, what you, what you don't post. I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of social media
0: these days? You know, kind of my rule of thumb is if the shoe was on the other foot, would I still think it's okay. And I, and that kind of goes in line with, you know, finding out like why people believe what they believe. Um, but as I take a look at anything, I always try to ask myself, Hey, if I was on the other side of the coin, would my opinion change? Um, Am I understanding those things completely? I think the whole, you know, the the mob mentality and the cancel culture and all of those things. I mean, I've, I've, I've jokingly, but not jokingly on Facebook says, Hey, whoever allows me to call that tree in the white house, a Christmas tree, that's who I'm going to vote for because probably a lot of other things that I believe in will align with that person. You know, (laughs) Um, if you get offended by calling it a Christmas tree, come on, you know, like if I was in New York and, and, and I was there around December and somebody says, Hey, they don't know my beliefs. They don't know. And they said, Hey, happy Hanukkah. Am I going to be offended by that? No, I'm going to be like, "Dude, happy Hanukkah to you too, man. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh, man. The war on Christmas. That's a whole podcast. Let me tell you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> we go out of our way. Like, first of all, if everything is offensive, think about it. It, it takes away from truly offensive things. If, if we put everything in this one mixed bag of, oh, everything's offensive. It's like, okay, you're taking away from, really things that truly are offensive. So, yes, thank you. It is a Christmas tree. It's Merry Christmas everybody. We could say Happy <laughs> Halloween, we could say Happy Thanksgiving, but we everyone like can't get the words out for Merry Christmas. That's so funny.
0: I I just and and yeah. Just trying to pigeonhole somebody in in saying something and then automatically by what they say coming up with a list of what you think they believe because of that one thing. I mean, I you know, here's here's an example you know, Nancy Pelosi the other day told Trump to man up. Well, what does that mean to them? Right now, it's, you know, we don't even know if you're a man or a woman until you tell us you're a man or a woman. And, you know, you can't say that this is a man stereotype and that it means strong and this, that, and the other. But Nancy Pelosi straight up told Trump to man up. So what does that mean?
1: That's a good point. No, that's a really you know? good point.
0: So I just think, you know, we we just try... Because everything's recorded, because everything is is on tape now, because of of social media and some things you can never erase, everybody just wants to take little excerpts of things and say that's who somebody is. And I'm just so tired of it. Oh, you're you're right. I'm tired.
1: Oh, I I think a lot of people are tired of it. I mean, I want to see the overall good somebody does. And, you know, you're involved in uh, firefighting, uh, Brandon, you know, I don't need a firefighter to have spectacular morals. I, if, if I'm in a burning building, I, I want them to save me. I don't really care who they vote for, what they think, who, who their God is. I, I just want them to do the job well. So outside of, you know, setting a fire themselves or something, that's what I want from my firefighters. That's what, what I want from my leaders too. I, I have yet to see a perfect leader in the history of our country uh, or a person that I agree one hundred percent with, because if you did, if you did that that 's a scary thought, so yeah, as far as our leaders uh, politics, this crazy election we are in we 'll say <laughs> uh, I mean what are your thoughts <laughs> we 're sitting here, Joe Biden has been declared uh, the winner the pres uh, the president elect there 's a lot of lawsuits and litigation going on, and before i I kind of get your your thoughts on it. I, I want to say this, that, you know, President Trump, whether you hate him, or this is back to the whole, I don't care who you voted for thing. Yeah, it's it, it, <laughs> this guy, this, this president was under attack for four years about how the Russian collusion and all these elections, how it, you know, they tampered and this and that zero evidence of anything all these years. Fast forward to 2020. Now we have there is some actual evidence of voter fraud. And no one wants to talk about it. It's like, oh, you got poor sports. It's like, I don't care. I mean, I do care if Joe Biden is wins the presidency. Cause he's not who I voted for, but I can handle Joe Biden being the president. If, if that, if the, if that's what the vote turns out, what I can't stand is potential voter fraud. And that's kind of where right. we're at right now and looking at it.
0: Well, and it, again, it goes back to the shoe on the other foot, right? If yes. I was on the other side, what would I, what would I believe? And what would I feel? And, uh, you know, I, I think that probably the, the takeaway from, from the elections is there's a lot of corruption in the media, Yes. you know, and I think that that is a huge issue. I've, I've got, I, I, again, going back to the, you know, being able to say Merry Christmas, I'm, I'm all about freedoms, right? Mm-hmm. I'm completely about freedoms, you know, but as far as the media is concerned, they need to decide whether they're, you know, providing information or they're providing opinion, and there's got to be a separation of those two, um, because there isn't, and there hasn't been, and it's become a real problem, you know, and and a lot of people don't look at the other side, you know, Tommy Loran, I've listened to a lot of her stuff, and somebody was interviewing her, and asking about, you know, if she just watches Fox News all day, and if she just And she says, actually, I don't, I want to form my own opinion. So I tune into CNN, I tune into MSNBC, and I see what they're talking about and reporting about. And then I have my own opinion. And that way I'm not just puppeting and mimicking somebody else uh, of what they said. And, and, you know, I try to do that with anything. I try to look at the other side and read what they have to say and form an opinion. But unfortunately, uh, people just take a look at their media channels and whatever is, is posted or said there, they, they believe it. And that's a scary thing. It mm-hmm. is a scary thing, no matter which side you're on.
1: Oh, no no doubt about it. I mean, I, I think people hear things as gospel and they're like, they never question it. And it's like, wait a minute. Uh, unless the person is like your boss at work and say, hey, this is how it is. Okay, you got to do what you got to do. But I mean, it seems like there's this push to for example, from the media and everything to like, for kids growing up, hey, you need to ask why and question all of these, all of these religious beliefs that are being pushed down your throat. But when we tell you things later in life, you need to listen. It's like, wait a minute, you need to always ask why you need to always try to understand back to your whole, back to your whole um, uh, premise, Brandon, about, well, let me understand why you believe this. I think it ties into all this.
0: Absolutely. You know, there, there's a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers, and it talks about why people do what they do. And one of the things that they did was they, they, they studied a couple of kids that were growing up and kind of throughout the years, and how some of the kids in different environments turned out good, bad, indifferent. And really, it was they, they talked about um, one of the kids that was going to a doctor's office right? And I think he was like seven years old. And the mom says, look, you don't need to be afraid of the doctor, right? You need to ask him questions. So if you have any questions whatsoever, you need to feel free to ask that. So at a very young age, he was trained to start having discussion, right? So when he got to the doctor's office, he felt confident. And the doctor says, how old are you? you?" And the kid says, I'm seven and a half. And the doctor's like, okay, you're seven. He's like, no, he corrected the doctor. He's like, I'm seven and a half, right? (laughs) And so... At, at such a young age, he was taught not to really challenge authority, but to speak his voice and to to discuss what was right to him. And I think we need to do we need to give people that opportunity and, and not to be afraid of being wrong or anything like that. I think today you're, people are afraid of being wrong. They're afraid of saying something f- uh, for fear of, of, of being canceled. And if that's it's just a sad place to live where you can't talk about who you really are period uh, because you're afraid that somebody's going to either do something to you to your car to your family i just it's it's all about freedoms man it's all about freedoms
1: oh freedoms for sure i mean freedom uh, the 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 pursuit of happiness i I swear i've heard that somewhere uh (laughs) life liberty and the pursuit pursuit of happiness what was that
0: Come on, man, you know the thing. (laughs) The thing, yeah, yeah, the the thing. Uh,
1: (laughs) That was not scripted, guys. That was not scripted. Uh, Well, we're sitting in this, you know, uh, we're recording on on Sunday, uh, November 8th. This episode will probably be out on Friday. But as of right now, as of yesterday, Joe Biden was declared the uh, the president-elect by other news media outlets. And uh, I, I think, again, regardless of where you stand on things, we are in for a really interesting, not even couple of weeks, I think maybe a month and a half or so of really seeing inside this election. And it's sad that we have to do that. It's sad that people can't just, you can't depend on people to just do the right thing anymore. And that's sad. I mean, I got sent two ballots, Brandon, I got, I got an LA County and a Riverside County cause I moved recently. I mean, What's to say I couldn't have voted twice or whatever. And that's not to say most people did, but I think in these next coming weeks, as divisive as the year 2020 has been, I think it could get worse because so many people are saying, "Hey, Joe Joe Biden won. And then uh, the other half of the country is saying, well, hang on, let's look into this. And so uh, it's supposed to be the happy holidays here coming up, but I doubt we're going to see that. (laughs)
0: yeah i you know unfortunately i think you're right and again not to be beat a dead horse but shoe on the other foot right Mm -hmm. if there were corruption on any side we ought to know about it we really should you know and and if there's real allegations and there's real things we should know about it if if they thought something was going on with russia and they dug into it we should know about it if something did and i think you know there was a extensive research and nothing was there but uh same thing with the laptop and all that stuff i mean if there's some legitimacy but again the problem is you just have the media that just spits out crap on both sides and i i really think that they should be penalized for throwing out stuff that either they know is wrong you know, I, they just they just need to be hit in the pocketbook and kind of learn. And we, as the people who supposedly watch and listen to them, um, you know, I, I just wish there was more that we could do. And unfortunately, just saying, hey, I'm not going to watch you anymore is not enough. Everybody else does.
1: Yeah, I mean, I want to make it clear. I, 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 I obviously want uh, President Trump to be reelected. But what I do not want him to, I do not want President Trump falsely elected. I don't want that. And, and if there is fra- fraud, I I'll go on record as saying that I, I am not so passionate about him winning that he wins at all costs. No, I want a fair and free election process. I just think right now for being the, you know, the greatest country ever, we, we have issues with our voting system, which is, which is very sad. So um, crazy, yeah. crazy, man. I, I think you had some great points there, Brandon, just about the media and uh, I, I tell people on this podcast all the time, I try not to watch the news. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I try not to listen or watch the news because it drives me crazy.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: <laughs> uh, well, speaking of podcasts, uh, Brandon, uh, what, have, you, have you listened to, to much of this podcast or maybe a little bit here and there? Chimed in for some Bill Barnes. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on this podcast and uh, maybe some of the episodes you've listened to?
0: Yeah, I know. It you do a, you do a great job. It's it's fun to listen to um people from all walks of life, right? And so I know that you you interview a lot of the umpires and stuff like that. And uh, you know, as we go out we spend hopefully 3 hours and not 5 hours on the field. But You know, the other time we're hanging out, we're we're at the hotel, we're, you know, doing something, we're eating something. So with some of those individual umpires, you get a chance to kind of see who they are and why they are who they are. Uh, And that's what's kind of cool about this. I mean, um, you know, outside of, you know, Major League Baseball, anybody that umpires, they do something else, too. You know, whether it's family, whether it's other jobs or those types of things. And so it's really kind of cool to you know when i when i listen to some of the podcasts and there's people that i haven't necessarily worked with that uh uh i i look forward to doing that after hearing about them because you know they seem like a cool guy and i you know most of the umpires do I, I, everybody's got their quirks and stuff like that but uh i just i just like to see again why is this person who they are
1: oh amen and you know what's funny about umpiring uh, specifically college baseball umpires you know there is a uniqueness to all of us. We all come from different backgrounds and that we get together for three days, a Friday through Sunday usually, and we have to go do this job and, and we may not have worked together before and we have to kind of get in flow together and uh, and do this tough job, uh, trust each other when you may have never met this person before. So that is new. And, and yeah, getting to know people. Uh, you and I worked six baseball games together, but, uh, you know, we, we've chatted here and there off the field. So I appreciate that with the, the podcast. Uh, well, let's talk about your baseball journey, Brandon. Uh, how did you get involved in this crazy world of, of umpiring baseball, especially in Utah?
0: <laughs> well, you know, I played baseball, you know, all throughout and love, um, love, love the game. Uh, when I was in college, um, there was a little, you know, travel baseball that that uh, I could make—I don't know—two hundred bucks in a day working ten baseball games, right? <laughs> and uh, when you're a college kid, that's hey, you know, you do what you do, and and um, so I actually had a professor that umpired high school baseball, um, and his name's Paul Hustleby, um, and he—I don't think there's a person in this world that knows more about sports. Knows more about rules and officiating, like the guy. Just that's his passion. That's what he loves, right? And so we were talking baseball, and he said, "Stop doing that crap. You got to start working some high school baseball." And uh, so he kind of introduced me into the high school baseball world, right? And so started working high school baseball when I was attending college, and uh, and then I had a couple of awesome mentors that were here in St. George. Um, that worked both college and high school. They were heavily involved with training uh, umpires and stuff like that. Um, and uh, and so they, they kind of introduced me to the college world, had me go to a camp um, and and got looked at at a camp and then got picked up after a couple of years. So started working baseball. In fact, my uh, rookie year in, in college baseball was um, actually – I did a lot of games at college of Southern Nevada, which is where uh, Bryce Harper was. So his first year in college baseball, he was a, uh, he was a freshman in college and he should have been a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. And so all of the games, uh, you know, there's, I don't know, a thousand fifteen at a, at a junior college game with, you know, 20, 30 scouts there uh, uh, film crews and stuff like that. So, that was my introduction to college baseball is working a lot of those games. Um, and, uh, and, and then I guess, as they say, you know, the rest is history I was able to work different conferences and work with different people that, um, you know, would help me get me connected to the right people uh, as far as moving up and so you know it's it's not something that I saw myself doing when I was younger but just because I didn't know it existed I mean you know you see baseball but you never think oh who's on the other side of that or who's you know organizing or who's doing those things and uh, so but once it was introduced to me I mean I it's been great love it
1: how was Mr. Harper in those days was uh has he changed much uh because it doesn't seem that he's uh uh yeah, I don't know what to say about him, really.
0: <laughs> I don't get in trouble for this one. But, um, you know, I, again, I was, I was a rookie, right? And um, was working with uh, an umpire that was very seasoned. And uh, he actually ejected Bryce uh, from a game. Shocker. Well, you know, I, I won't get into it, but there was some taunting, right? After a, a bomb and then, you know, subsequent things happened. So there was some taunting from him and he got ejected while he was playing defense and uh, um, he was playing right field, the center fielder came in and was yelling at my partner. And so I jumped out to center field, to say, you know, basically you want to stay in this, sh- you know, shut up. Yeah. And meanwhile, behind my back, there was some commotion between a couple of the teammates uh, with the kid at first base. So I'm going back to my position and this guy comes up, down uh like by the dugout area and starts cussing me out and i have no idea why i don't know who this guy is i have no clue so i i turned to the officer i said hey get this guy out of here the next day in the paper it says the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree both bryce and his father are removed from the baseball state <laughs> So i i guess there you know while i was trying to to you know trying to keep this other center fielder in the ball game yeah. the batter runner at first base was chirping at somebody and and of course i couldn't see or do anything about it and this guy just comes unleashed at me so uh anyways he, he was a fun player to watch i mean he was a league uh, just it, it, he was just so far better than anybody else that was on that field whatsoever mm-hmm. so that was fun to watch but um I don't know. I, I guess anybody that's 16 years old and on the cover of Sports Illustrated has a reason to be a little bit more pompous than other kids, right? <laughs> you, just wish, you just wish there was a little bit more humility that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, like you said, it uh, has a lot to do with the leadership from, uh, from above and the parents. And, and I'm sure the media, uh, you know, wrote, wrote there, Brandon, that, yeah, the umpire was just excited to kick out Bryce Harper's dad. <laughs> it's like, you didn't even know who he was.
0: I had no idea until I read the next day. I had no idea who this guy was.
1: Oh, uh, man. Phenomenal stuff. Yeah, you really cut your teeth working community college baseball. Let me tell you, it's it's no easy task. Uh, at least here in Southern California, I imagine it's the same out in uh, Nevada and Utah. And uh, let me ask you that, Brandon. Like, uh, it's it's not as populated there. There's not as many opportunities or schools to work in that kind of region. So is it a little more difficult to get the experience at the college baseball level when there's not as much, you know, JC or or division two baseball as you kind of climb the ladder to get to division one?
0: Yeah. I'm, I meant, you know, I went through the first couple of years just working primarily junior college baseball uh, and then started working a little bit of division two. But when I was doing that, I mean, I, they, they weren't paying travel. Right. So I drive to Vegas uh, sometimes I'd be able to get a hotel room out of them, but sometimes I couldn't. Right. And so you start working those games in January, February, and it you know, it'll be like Super Bowl weekend in Vegas or something like that. And you can't get a hotel room to save your life at the time. And and so, you know, you I don't know, you make a hundred bucks working one of those games and, and you'd pay 150 for a hotel room, mm-hmm. right? And it's just it was hard. Uh, but it was also kind of what you had to do to move up the ladder. And so it was good experience. But yeah, I mean I'd either have to drive to to, uh, Las Vegas, which was an hour and a half, um, or I'd have to uh, drive to Salt Lake, which was four hours to work some of those games. And so, um, but you know, everybody, no matter what conferences they work in order to to move up, they they sacrifice and that's just geographically, that was my sacrifice I had to travel and and, kind of earn my way up, I guess. Well, it's
1: not like you had uh, you know a wife and four kids and a full time job or anything. Oh wait, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. That's right.
0: <laughs> you know, my wife, my wife would, you know, consistently wonder why in the world you'd do this. But, you know, <laughs> it, you know how it is. I mean, it, it, it's open opportunities to, to to travel places that I would never ever go. You know, I would never look on a map and say I want to go to, you know las cruces new mexico or something like that but uh you know baseball is cool it takes you to those to those places that you would never even imagine and meet guys that you just you'd never meet otherwise you know yeah that, that's the funnest part
1: i mean you gotta have a support system you gotta have the blessing from uh from the you know from the family and uh sp- specifically the misses. uh you know yeah. uh you couldn't do it without them for sure and uh, well, Brandon, when, when did you get that call, really, that, hey, we're gonna, you're going to uh, work some Division I baseball? Did it come rather quick? Was it unexpected? Uh, what was the first D1 conference you got in, and kind of what was that experience like, kind of finding out that, hey, I'm, I'm kind of getting to where I wanted to be?
0: Um, that came through uh, work in the Mountain West. Um, I'd worked some junior college baseball. And the assigner for that conference happened to be the assigner for Mountain West as well. And so he was able to see me work on a pretty consistent basis. And some of the guys that he would use for the junior college conference, he'd also have them do the the Mountain West conference. Uh, And then also, even though St. George is far away, I was one of the closer umpires to Las Vegas. And so for midweeks and those types of things. And so that's what happened is he gave me a couple of midweeks to kind of cut my teeth and, um, see how I do, and uh, you know, was able to not screw things up too bad. That um, you know, Mountain West kind of gave me my start, and then from there it kind of just expanded. And you work with guys, and they go back to the assigners and say, "Hey, this guy, you know, he didn't screw up too bad, and he's he's not uh, too hard to work with." And so, um, you know, that's kind of how it works in college baseball is just meeting the right people and and uh, um, Trying not to screw up.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, none of us have ever worked a perfect game, and that's always the goal. But it's all about kind of managing your mistakes too, like making the 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 misses we do have small, not huge. Uh, I got to ask you this, because Brandon, I'm a I'm a short, heavy set guy. You you on the other hand are a very tall, very in shape uh, individual. So, uh, have you seen kind of a difference maybe in how some coaches? Or players, even for that matter, approach you or come at you based off of kind of your appearance, your, your look. I mean, that's gotta help, or does, do you think sometimes it challenges guys more? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I'm not uh, ignorant to think that it hasn't helped. In fact, I would have never understood that point unless Rich Padilla, who when I went to a camp uh, with Jim Peronto, that Jim Peronto put on, Rich Padilla came and did some instructions and he actually pulled me aside and he says, Hey, Brandon, you see all these people in the room? In order for them to be on the field at the next level, they have to prove they can umpire. In order for you to get on the field, you just have to prove that, or what did he say? They have to prove that they, they uh, can umpire. You have to prove that you can't umpire. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't get on the field. Right. So, um, you know, he kind of explained that to me. And I think that uh, Rich obviously is a, a fantastic umpire, but he, he was also a bigger guy and wasn't ignorant to think that that didn't help things as well. And so, um, you know, I, 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 can certainly see that. I think that I've seen, I've come into areas where coaches have a terrible, terrible uh, reputation and um, I, I've gone in and haven't done any better or worse of a job than anybody else but haven't received some of the same barking from the dugout or some of the things. Um, and, and I think that also, and I, I had never thought about this before and this is certainly not applicable to all coaches, but if there's a shorter coach, they don't want to be seen on TV or seen, you know, in the crowd coming out and yelling at somebody when they're looking straight up at them. Right. So again, I, you know, I can't speak to to how much or or who or anything like that, but I, you know, I'm not ignorant to think that it hasn't been an advantage, uh, certainly. Well, yeah,
1: perception does does play a part, and yeah, someone you know, like myself, walks on the field. It's kind of like, well, who's this guy? You know, type of thing. Where you got to, you do have to prove yourself a little bit. And I always tell guys, you know, who are shorter, like you got to, if if you're a shorter guy, you need to umpire like you are six foot three. If you're a heavier guy, you need to umpire like you're very athletic. I mean, it's just it's not this like stick your chest out thing. It's just, you got to find ways to do that. And and quite honestly, Brandon, there are some guys who maybe are a bigger really well in shape and everything that, that some of them umpire, like they're five foot four. And it's like, wait a minute, you, you have this great presence about you. You need to utilize it. And it doesn't mean again, sticking your chest out and I'm the boss, I'm the sheriff or whatever, but it's just, it's hard to describe to people. It's just how you carry yourself things you say, uh, you know, you know what I'm kind of saying.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And 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 it's sometimes it's the little things too. I mean, I I had a guy just two years ago that said, "Hey, your foul call is weak. You need to put your al- arms out big and wide and like a field goal, right?" You got. <laughs> I saw another bigger umpire do that, and I looked at myself on film. I'm like, "Holy crap!" You know. So, um, yeah just it's, it's just not wasting what what you have no matter what that is I mean there was a, a, a guy that I worked with he was a bigger guy I mean he was a he's a big guy but I'll tell you what that guy hustled in and out like everywhere he hustled because he knew it's, it's a little bit harder to control the weight thing right but he knew that nobody could ever get after him for not hustling they could say other things mm-hmm. but that guy was on the ball and always in the right position and that's why he is who he is
1: yeah no it's it's uh man, it's the perception business. And uh, there's so many things that go into umpiring that people just don't understand. It's that, uh, again, what, what people see and kind of their perception of you, uh, having a presence, not having a presence, all of it adds up. A bunch of little things add up to big things. And that's what really separates the top guys. The guys working the College World Series and guys working regionals and everything uh, that, that are so, so good. So uh, Brandon, if you could for me summarize for you uh, having worked college baseball all these years, having this journey, what, what for you is just the best part of umpiring college baseball? Why, why do you continue to do it? You
0: know, um, when you get to this level, and, I, and I, I never really had any aspirations of as soon as I get to here, I've made it, or as soon as I've done this, I, I just I look at it as a hobby that pays well at the college level right if anything's going to take me away from my family it's got to be something that i enjoy Mm -hmm. and and it's and it's a hobby that i really enjoy and get paid you know uh, a little bit of money to be able to do that and the point where i don't like it i'm done Mm -hmm. you know i i don't again from it it wasn't really an aspiration of hey i want to do this at this level or for this long it's just, man, it's fun to be out there. It's fun to be with the guys. It's fun to be with the student athletes. It's fun to see awesome, incredible plays that are made, you know, that, that some of these kids are doing. And um, I, I just like to see the good. There's a lot of bad, right? But I like to see the good and what's going on. And, again, it just comes down to what I enjoy. And if I find something that I enjoy that I can get paid to do, it's not a bad thing, man. It's not no. a
1: bad thing oh. at all. <laughs> no, that kind of comes, you know, circles back to your comment about, you know, I don't care what you believe, but why do you believe in it? So that's why I kind of raised the question there. I mean, that's a, that's a great answer. And yeah, there's so much going on these, these days that, you know, people have other options and for us losing our baseball season last year was very difficult. And there's so much uncertainty in going into this season, usually around this time, there's assignments that are out and everything. Mm. It's a little more delayed uh but anyway i hope uh you know i wish you and the our fellow colleagues the best in moving forward with baseball because someone's got to do it we all know that someone has to do it <laughs> we're the ones willing to so oh <laughs> great stuff um well brandon let me ask you this so you're in uh commercial real estate outside of you know everyone asks hey what's your real job what's your real job right uh, <laughs> commercial real estate so what is that like? And kind of how did you get involved in that um, over, you know, in your adult years and everything after college or kind
0: of what
1: direction did you take?
0: Yeah. So this is another one of those things where I didn't have, <laughs> excuse me, I didn't have aspirations to necessarily be in, in uh, commercial real estate, but things just kind of worked out when I was, at, uh, when I was in college. Um, I had a moving company. So I'd have some of my buddies help me out and we would load and unload trucks for people that were moving in and out of St. George and the surrounding areas. And uh, there was a guy who just had just purchased a house, excuse me, built a house and um, we were moving him and just got to have some pretty good discussion with him. And I was about to graduate. And he said, well, what are your plans after you graduate? And and, uh, at that point we had some, you know, a, a job that we were, Discussing and uh, a place that we had secured to live. Uh, And, and he said, well, I do, I do real estate, right? So he owned a commercial brokerage and a residential brokerage. And uh, he said, look, I just had a heart attack and there's a lot of stuff going on in St. George, a lot of stuff. And I've got a crew, but I'd loved, we need some help. We need some more people. Have you ever thought about that? Um, And I hadn't until that point uh and then we just had some discussions about it i'm like you know what that sounds like a lot of fun like i think i would enjoy seeing those types of things and helping people i i like sales but i don't like to be a salesman right (laughs) and so it's one of those things where i can just present opportunity uh i feel like residential real estate is an emotional decision um but but one of the largest deals i've ever done i still haven't even met the guy right? It made sense on paper. We, we did it through phone calls and emails and everything kind of worked out that way. So it's, it's not emotional. It's, it's more of an economical decision. And I just, it's fun to kind of put people together with, with what they're looking for and just say, Hey, here's the information. you make the decision on what works for you, as opposed to trying to talk them into something, you know?
1: So you're dealing more with, uh, with, you said commercial. So you're dealing more with businesses and stuff, not necessarily individuals.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, it's, it's the selling of, of building and land and office buildings and retail buildings and those types of things. Uh, So the nice thing about that as well is if you do like residential real estate, I mean, for them, their busiest hours are from five o'clock in the afternoon to nine o'clock when people get off work um, and uh, holidays and weekends. Being in commercial real estate, I basically, I work, during business hours, you know what I mean? So very rarely on the weekend. So that's been, uh, that's allowed me to do baseball without, you know, disrupting my business and my work.
1: Yeah, that's uh,
0: that's huge. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I, it's just all about finding balance, you know? And <laughs> so if one thing had to suffer, if I left, I just, I wouldn't want to do it.
1: Oh, that's absolutely. Um, and, and it's fascinating really what you talked about beforehand with people coming to California, because when you first said what you did, my first thought was, you know what, commercial real estate during this lockdown, thats a—I would figure that would have suffered a little bit. But you're telling me a lot of people are kind of going to places such as St. George, Utah, where they can continue to operate their business and such. And so it's worked out well for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, of all things, I, I had a guy that moved here from California he makes surfboards. He makes custom surfboards. He's, you know, six hours away from the ocean. And uh, he just says, look, I'm tired of the regulations. Uh, You know, if I, if I use a a can of this polyurethane, I have to have this license. And I have to, he just says, look, man, I just want a place where I can do business and I can do me. Look, I'm cautious about things. I don't want the environment to be ruined. I don't want the, you know, all of those things. And, and that was his mindset too. But he's like, look, I want to be able to make a decision for myself on my business on my employees and all those things. So he says, he just said, Hey, St. George was a place for me. You know,
1: That is unbelievable. A yeah. surfboard seller.
0: <laughs> six, six hours away from the ocean. And he says, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm moving to St. George.
1: If that doesn't sum up California uh, policies for you folks. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm glad things are working out well for you in on the business side of things. That's, that's phenomenal. Great stuff. Uh, and, and being available to umpire baseball is, I mean, the number one thing with it is availability. Some people don't have it. I, I probably won't have it here this coming spring. Uh, but anyway, well, well, Brandon, outside of being an umpire, a father of four, uh, you know, working in commercial real estate, all this time on the highways you're doing and traveling and stuff, you're also a volunteer firefighter. So help me understand this. Uh, I, I can't wrap my head around volunteer firefighting. Because it doesn't really happen out here in Southern California. So how does, that, how does that come to be? Hey, we need volunteers. What's the deal with volunteer firefighting?
0: Well, I thought that I was just going to be able to, when, when I was in college, I, I thought, oh, that'd be kind of cool to help out and volunteer. I thought I'd be able to show up and, uh, and they'd say, all right, here's your gear. We'll, we'll call you when we need your help. But uh, that's, that's not the case at all. You actually have to get fire one, fire two certified. So you go through the same and get the same certifications as the full-time guys, at least in St. George, right? So it was a, it was a four-month process of going Tuesdays, Thursdays, and every other weekend, uh, getting trained in medical and, and all sorts of things. Um, but I just, I really wanted to help. Like, I thought it was cool to see some of these firefighters and what they would do. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, St. George doesn't, pay the best uh, as far as fire is concerned um and public safety you know it's getting better and so I didn't I couldn't see that as something I wanted to do full-time but they had volunteer and for the city we're, we're expanding and, and I think in the next couple of years they're going to go all full-time um but right now it's about half and half it's about half volunteers and half full-time and um you know so I, I keep up on my training and I go to a few calls a, a, a week and you know, the, the fun thing is I could be in my office working on something and within about two minutes get a phone call that a build or not a phone call, a page that a building's on fire. Um, I just, I like excitement. I like change. I like balance and I like flexibility. Um, you know, I, I harass a lot of my full-time firefighter buddies. Um, I heard a comedian that was a firefighter and he was a, he was a volunteer firefighter. And uh, he went, he, he says that he, he was on a medical, he was uh, just you know, as a uh, a person walking through the mall or something and somebody needed some medical attention. And so he started to help this guy, this, uh, this guy that needed medical attention. And uh, a guy came up and says, hey, I'm a firefighter. Uh, let me help. And he's like, well, I'm a firefighter too. He's like, no, I'm a full-time firefighter. <laughs> and and the, the, the volunteer says, you know what? I can do your full-time job in my spare time. So I'm going to handle this. You know, kind of, <laughs> kind of funny uh, how he approached that. Um, and, uh the the firefighting side is it's fun, it's exciting, it's again another another area in my life where I have just like a brotherhood, right? Just have a built-in group of guys that I know have my back, and um, and and guys throughout the community that own businesses, and it's just it's it's a it's a good way to be connected too. I oh, mean, it's, it's
1: very noble of, of you guys for doing it. I mean, I know you probably don't have the, the crazy fires we have out here in Southern California, but uh, for someone willing to go do that volunteer and, and serve, I think is so admirable. And uh, that's, that's really, really cool stuff. Do you have any stories or crazy experiences from your days uh, working as a volunteer, volunteer firefighter?
0: Oh, you know, um... the the gorge that you talked about um there's a lot of accidents in the gorge um and so there's a lot of rollovers and those types of things that and i live kind of close to that area as well so my station will get paged out if they have any big accidents and so um you know you get to see some things that are just pretty gnarly when it comes to car accidents and stuff like that uh So, I mean, without getting into too many details, I mean, you you do see a lot. Um, I'll tell you that there's – I I was on a call, um, and this just kind of goes back to balancing life, but there was a call where there was a baby who uh, had been choking um, because of SIDS, uh, sudden infant death syndrome, and it was choking on, I think, their own vomit. And it was a six-month-old, and I had a little eight-month-old at home, and i'll tell you what man it was one of the toughest things that you had to see it's it's hard when you go in a car accident it's hard when you go to somebody's house um that's elderly and you try to revive them and it doesn't work out you know but when you leave those calls you just it it affects somebody's life but when it's a what's it when it's a baby involved and i've got a young kid i just went home and just hugged 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 my baby and i just so felt bad for that person right mm-hmm. and the love that i have for my own kid just completely increased and you know just you try not to take things for granted when you see what other people go through plus you go into houses and you see the way they're living and i don't know man it's just you you feel for people and i think because of that i try to be a lot less judgmental cuz you never know you never know what somebody's going through right like anytime somebody calls 911 they're having a bad day. Yeah. It's just what he calls because things are going well. And so um, it just makes me appreciate health and safety and all those things that the good Lord's blessed me with, you know, that we all have our challenges, but man, you never know what the next door neighbor's going through. You just have no, no idea.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's uh man. Powerful stuff. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, you know, kind of talking about tying that in with talking about your, your kids. I know you know 2020 has given us a lot of challenges there's been some obstacles here and there for a lot of people but uh Brandon you had a a young son who was going through some very difficult time recently and you know if you could update us kind of on what happened with them and then kind of where they're at today uh i know some of the people out there listening uh, other umpires and such you know gave you a lot of support and everything when you're going through this tough time but what can you tell us about uh the uh your young child who was kind of going through a very difficult time uh, with some medical issues
0: yeah so let's see if i can do it without losing myself right here um <laughs> so he's had um probably twenty four twenty five different surgeries through his life he's he's got uh, attention deficit disorder he's got just a lot of things going on with him, um, so he's got some development issues in addition to that his body just sucks like his body uh, he's had eye surgeries ear surgeries nose like everything has just been tough and so uh, he's had some digestive issues his whole life and uh, several stomach surgeries for that so they, there's a cool surgery out there because he he would have a, a, a hard time using the restroom, go number two, right? And so um, they basically put a hole in his belly button, attached his appendix to it, and would flush him from above every day. And so that's the only way. Over time, it got punctured, and we didn't know it. His his intestines got punctured and the the fluids that we would put in his stomach leaked out uh and uh because of that he became septic and we didn't know it um so anyways short story long um he was septic he got uh transferred up uh to salt lake from here and ended up um dying twice on the uh the table after surgery and so it was a a a, big ordeal my wife she'd flown up there with him in life flight and so she had to kind of go through that herself uh and and called me to let me know what was going on and man I'll tell you it's another one of those life-changing things where I will never like you never know what somebody else is going through and so there was a long recovery with that, but we were up at the at the children's hospital and we'd see people that had been there for checkups and stuff. When we go back, we'd see people that had a kid in there with cancer and they'd been in there for six months, eight months, 12 months. And uh, those were the ones that were, you know, those are the people that were consoling other people that had been there for two days, three days and had, uh, you know, uh, you, you just see the power that people have and the good that they have in their hearts when they when they have sympathy and empathy for other people and uh, uh that's certainly what i've learned is just again you don't know what somebody else is going through and if you've been through it or something similar to it you you realize that um we we just need to be better people we just need to help other people instead of finding the the negativity we just need to find the good in what people are doing cuz i I don't like to receive help from people. I don't like those things, but so many people stepped up, to follow up with how we're doing, uh, bringing meals to us, anything and everything you could think of. And I'll tell you what, as as somebody that tries to be a man, right. That was humbling for me. That was, and, and uh, it made me want to do it for other people, you know? So I think we all have experiences that make us better. If we, if we let, if we let them, if we choose to let them, uh, we we all can learn from the tough things that we're going through, and uh, hopefully have an eye out for people that, in the future, are going through them and don't want to talk about it with other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I I hear what you're saying there. I mean, uh, we all have our our peaks and valleys in life uh, for sure. And uh, I'm glad to hear that things are kind of working out and for the Vandermyde family, uh, things are going well, Uh, spectacular stuff. Glad to hear. Uh, And and Brandon, it's been so much fun chatting with you about uh, so many different things. Um, I kind of knew we'd have a good time chatting about a little, you know, a little bit of everything, a little baseball, a little, little 2020, a little everything. Uh, But the time has flown by and thank you so much for sharing so much of your opinions and, and your beliefs and just updating us on your family and your life and everything, I just uh wish you nothing but the best, my friend. Any parting words of wisdom for our audience here?
0: <laughs> no, thanks for having me on i you know parting advice i don't know what I'd tell people <laughs> right <laughs> Just find balance in life and uh if something makes you happy, stick with it. If not, figure something else out man it's just it, life's way too short to be bogged down by by ridiculous and nonsense and and uh just I don't know. Find balance and love each other, man. That's it. Oh, man.
1: Find balance and love each other. Well said. Yeah. Turn off the news, go sell some surfboards in Utah, whatever you got (laughs) to (laughs) do. Brandon, thanks so much. Uh, we'll, We'll get this out soon. And it was an absolute pleasure.
0: Hey, thank you. I really appreciate what you do.
1: A very big thank you to Brandon Vandermeide for coming on the program. It was so much fun catching up with you, my friend. I hope we can talk again very soon. Best of luck to you and your family. All the best as we approach the holiday season. Thank you so much for sharing your your belief system and just some of your philosophies on, on people and kind of just everything. So that was a lot of fun. Again, I look forward to us catching up soon. And uh, my very best to everyone, Brandon. Thank you again. Well, guys, that will wrap up today's episode of the Get Home Safe podcast and another week of shows as we have our new format Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We know it's a little shorter than the whole five days a week thing, but hey, that's that's just life. It's a work in progress. We try to fit it in when we can uh, outside of our work schedule and everything. So another fun week. We had a great uh, recap of sports and some of the election on Monday. We, of course, had our conversation with the one and only Bill Barnes on Wednesday, the retired police officer and college baseball umpire who is here every single Wednesday and had a great time today with Brandon the college baseball umpire, commercial real estate salesman and the volunteer firefighter. I don't know how you do it all, Brandon. Uh, Good for you, man. And uh, (laughs) all the best. Well, anyway, uh, that'll wrap up this week of shows. It's been fun. It's been a great week. Veterans Day coming in the middle of it all. Just a fun time as we're headed towards Thanksgiving, towards Christmas, towards getting to the new year, 2021. Enough of this 2020 stuff. I think I speak for all of us when I say that. So let's keep chugging along and uh, get to it. I think uh, we're in for a fun holiday season. And again, as soon as we can turn that calendar to 2021, I am all in favor of it. Guys, there are plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod our facebook and instagram page is get home safe podcast and our email address is get podcast at yahoo.com we look forward to hearing from you so send us some of those emails some of those social media messages however you want to reach out to us we would love to hear from you get some content suggestions maybe your thoughts on how your sports team's doing what what's your thoughts uh, in looking forward at uh, any sporting event uh, football golf uh, MMA, the, the big weekend of the masters is here. So uh, as, as far as how that turns out, any thoughts regarding that, anything guys, send us a message, send us a voice message. There's some voice message links in the episode notes where you can have your your voice heard, however you want to do it. Just send it. We love hearing from our audience, uh, and you really drive help us drive the show. So, looking forward to to that. It's been another fun week. The weekend is here. Can't wait to get home safe. Around third and home safe for the weekend. Uh, lots of sports to watch. We'll be back on Monday with a full recap of all of the sporting events: college football, NFL, uh, the Masters, as we mentioned. So much to talk about. Maybe even a little bit of boxing. Just a big recap show on Monday re- regarding. All of the sports from the weekend should be a very fun time. That's enough for me this week, guys. I need a few days off. I'm going to try to put together a few interviews over the weekend. So if you're interested, be sure to reach out to me. But, guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.